Stefan flints off, punches it away. It's a high boot. J.N. Harris drifting over near the sideline. And the Bruins forgot about him. And Harris galloping down the sidelines. It's Pittman. Check it. Touchdown, USC. The entire UCLA coverage unit is following Harris. Nobody's with Pittman. Hello and welcome to the USC Overtime Podcast. USC escapes against UCLA 28-23. I'm your host, Zach Helfand from the Los Angeles Times. Here with the great Bill Plaschke and looks like the little cold Bill Plaschke. We're outside. It's, it got really cold here. I'm freezing. I'm not as cold, though. It's, it seems like the, the interest in the USC football program here, we were just talking about this in the press box is that this is as quiet as any of us have heard it after a, use, a win over UCLA at the Coliseum in years. I mean, the fans even, at the end of the game, they were trying to rouse up a We Are SC chant, and it didn't get going. And I wonder if the fans have kind of, they're, but they're ten, but they're ten and two. But the thing is, they don't, they, they don't look, they don't look ten and two, dude. They don't look ten and two. They look, they look like they're fortunate to have gotten eight or seven or eight wins. Frankly, the way they played, they, you see, Josh Rosen said it after the game. We should have won. We won the game, and we and we gave it away, and they did. UCLA should have won the game. So I was going to ask you this: Did UCLA outplayed USC tonight, didn't they? Absolutely out. They absolutely outplayed. They outgained it by nearly 100 yards. They got five times as many third down conversions as 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 USC. They threw, you know, Josh threw an interception in the end zone. They were careless and dumb in 11 penalties for about 110 yards, and that's what really hurt them uh, at the end. But they uh, they clearly. Were the more inspired, were the um, more focused team, and they did. They, they seem to have better athletes than USC. So I don't know how USC's what they're doing. And as I wrote in my column in the LA Times, I just appeared in the web and will be in tomorrow's LA Times newspaper. Uh, Rosen outplayed Darnold. Clearly outplayed. I don't think I had that much of a surprise though. I think as the season has gone on, people have realized all the hype for Sam Darnold. Josh Rosen right now is a better quarterback. I think they're both really good. I think they're both going to be good pros. Rosen just made some throws tonight. I, I hadn't seen him in person in a long time. He just made some throws tonight that I went, wow. Like, he, he, those long throws down the field are right on the money all the time. And Darnold does different things well. He moves around really well, and cre- it's, he's creative. Uh, I think he, he's, he'll be better with a worse offensive line than, than Josh Rosen would. But Rosen just made some throws tonight. They were, they were unbelievable. You know what I thought for the first time, and I've, I've seen Rosen several times this year, including the A&M game opening day when they came back from 34 points down late in the third quarter to win. He was unbelievable. His best quarterback that I think I've ever seen in college during that that quarter and a half. People have said Rosen's ready for the NFL, go to the NFL. Darnold's going to go to the NFL as well. They'll probably be, they could be one, two in the draft. Um, but some people are saying that Darnold should stay in school. And I always thought, oh, forget that. There's no way he's staying in school. There's no way he should stay in school. Watching him tonight, he made some weird decisions. He didn't seem to get on track. He made some big plays, but you know, I mean, I don't think he'll stay in school. There's no way he's going to turn down $30 million. But maybe his year, another year of school would do good for him. He hasn't even finished. This is his first full season as quarterback. And you can tell. My feeling, I've started to feel this more recently, that Darnold would be best served development-wise 
staying in college for another year. He, he's improved this year. He's, he's started to make some throws like down the sideline that he, he just didn't make at the begin, Wait, even in the beginning improved. of this year. You think, is he better right now than he was against Penn State? Yes. He, he's not playing as – like he's not having as good of a season, but I think he's a better, more all-around, better quarterback. Well, that's the column you probably talked Dylan – you seemingly talked Dylan into writing last week <laughs> from Colorado. Okay, so you're backing that up. I'm not buying it. He was unbelievable. He was a Heisman. He walked off that field to Rose Bowl last year as a favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, and now he's not even in the in the top ten. But the team is just – the team isn't as good. He lost his best lineman. He lost his best receivers. It's just the, the the players around him aren't as good, and I think I think that's what it is. I think well, he well, could. Bryce, Bryce Love, Stanford's probably not as good, and um, Shaquan Barkley's Penn State's not as good as they were last year. But they're still in the running. I, mean, I don't know. Barkley's I, just Penn State's just as good. I don't think so. But anyway, I just think it it just surprises me that Darnold just a little bit. Um, he just seems to be. He seems to be a kid that needs to stay in school another year. He just seems that way. But, of course, he won't. I don't think he will. What I was saying is I think he'd be best served development-wise staying in college and improving and fixing some of the things. You know, and there's not anything that needs, like, glaring fixing other than some of the decision-making and the, the interceptions. He had another one tonight where he just threw it to the other team, which he hadn't done in a while. He'd, he had fixed that until tonight. Um, but I think you're an idiot to kind of pass up that money and because who knows what happens? You could get injured. You could you could regress. There could be another quarterback. You, you never know what happens. It's really tough to pass it up. I will point to the column I wrote several years ago based entirely around the optics of Matt Barkley standing in front of a Christmas tree at Heritage Hall saying, I'm coming back. What a great kid this was. Matt Liner, same thing, but Barkley mostly said, I'm coming back. I'm here another year. Everybody loved him. The band played. He was the greatest student ever, greatest student athlete ever. And he lost millions of dollars, and he went to the fourth round, and he's not been hurt from since. It's tough, and you can get an insurance policies, but you can't get an insurance policy for just falling into the fourth round. Right. It, it, it doesn't pay out, and it's, it's tough he to pass out the money. Expo- insurance policy was just being exposed. But when I saw Darnold, I thought the play that most typified him tonight was late in the first half. They're, they're, they're driving down for a field goal. They're out of timeouts. He has the ball. And he runs up the middle, doesn't get out of bounds, doesn't throw it away, scrambles, falls down at the seven-yard line, time expires, they walk off the field. They don't get a field goal attempt. They don't even get an attempt. He either lost track of time or thought he could score a touchdown or whatever, but it was youthful, you know, youthful uh, carelessness, and you can't do that in the NFL. That was fairly uncharacteristic for him, but it did. he did kind of look at that play and say, man, he's... He is kind of young, isn't he? He's still fairly inexperienced. He hasn't played. I mean, even in high school, he was injured a lot, so he didn't play that many games in high school. So this is the first full season. He hasn't even completed a full season yet, so he's, he's still inexperienced. This is the first time I've seen USC in person in several weeks because of the World Series and all that um, in the baseball playoffs. But I'm wondering, if can they beat Stanford or if they play them in the Pac-12 championship and how will they do in a bowl game against a, a conference winner, a, big, a tough Big Ten school? I don't know. I don't like their chances right now. They don't look very good. They've played two good games all year against Stanford. That was probably their best game, and also against Arizona State. Other than that, they haven't played very well. They've just played well enough to win, and it's been so odd. I wonder if, you know, watching them, when when you you left for a chunk for the World Series, coming back today, was there anything that stuck out to you that this team isn't doing well, like they can't put away teams? They seem more careless, more reckless. They don't seem as inspired. They don't seem you don't see that same UCLA USC inspiration. I, I, I'm, I, you know, Ronald Jones is great, 
But Darnold just doesn't seem to have, have gotten that much. I know you all think he's a lot better. He didn't seem a lot better to me. And the receiver, where is Deontay Burnett tonight? Is he hurt? No, he just had an off night tonight. Yeah, he was nowhere to be found. And then the guy I love, Daniel Amitabebe. <laughs> Imator Bebe. Imator Bebe was last year at the end of the year was unbelievable. What happened to him? He got hurt at the beginning of the year. He, he missed a lot of games. It just hasn't been the same since. He looks a little slower. He does. He looks like he hasn't caught up from that. There was one pass up the seam where it looked like Darnold had him, and, and he just couldn't run under it. I just don't see the kind of uh, joy in the team. They seem to be more um, seem to be more matter of fact, and they didn't. And they didn't seem inspired tonight. And of course, tonight they were playing for nothing, but they were playing for everything. You know, they were playing for nothing in the standings. But everything in terms of the town, the perception of the town, and have UCLA put a put a you know put a beating on them for not a beating on them, but for UCLA to run over them like that, not good. I think I wrote in in one of the early stories, probably it got taken out of the, the one of the later stories tonight. But this was a ho hum game for USC unless they lose, and then all of a sudden it becomes the most important game of the year because you can't you cannot lose. You can never lose to UCLA if you're. If you're USC, but you can't lose to this UCLA. Not if you're a double digit. There are 14 right. point favorites. Right. I can't remember the, the the margin being that big. You know, teams usually these these games, the teams usually do better than what the spread is. They usually outperform the spread because they're so inspired. USC underperformed tonight. They could they could have easily lost the game. They, if, if two UCLA UCLA defenders don't fall don't don't hit each other and run into each other on Stephen Carr's with that 29 yard pass. You know, maybe US, UCLA wins this game. I don't know. Here's Ben Bolts. Do you want to bring in Benny here? Yeah, let's bring in Ben. He looks he looks especially let's go cold. Let's go to the <laughs> bring in the bullpen. Thanks, Bill. Going for the right-hander. Benny, you're, are you right or lefty? Right. All right, going for the right-hander. Go. lefty. Going for the righty. See you, Ben. All right. Take over. Is this live? This is live. Well, not live to tape. <laughs> uh, so we're here with, with Ben Bolch, who covers UCLA for the LA Times. The great Ben Bolch, out here in short sleeves. We've just been talking about how it got, got really cold. Yeah, I, I caught a cold, I think, coming up the stairs on the way. I've been coughing nonstop since I got back to the press box. So I, and I have to fly to Kansas City tomorrow, so I think the change in weather will uh, exacerbate this. You're flying to Kansas City for basketball? Yeah, that's correct. So Ben has had one of the all-time worst weeks for any beat writer anywhere, I think. Ben, do you, you want to give the podcast listeners a taste of what your life is like over the past know, week, week and a half? Uh, lots of 17-hour days, lots of uh, uh, ch- uh, checking the Internet and, and making phone calls at 3 a.m. And uh, just a, a big mess between uh, a football team that's kind of holding on for dear life and a basketball team uh, that's losing uh, basically uh, about a quarter of its playable guys right now. So uh, over some, 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 shop, some sunglasses and other high-end merchandise taken from a, a mall in China. So uh, not really a fun week, uh, even, for, even if you're not a, a UCLA fan, and I'm neutral. But, uh, you know, I always say I root for compelling, and this week was kind of compelling, compelling. but, but not, uh, not, not in a way that, uh, that makes a beat writer's life uh, easy by any stretch. So let's talk about the game a bit. Uh, first off, Bill and I were just talking about Rosen, and I came away from this game saying, "Wow, like, th- this guy made every throw. He was he was under pr- a lot of pressure, and still ended up his he, he threw 52 times, which is a yeah. lot. But he had 421 yards. He had three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I turned to you during the game, and my question was, does he do this every game? So, what what, what tell why don't you tell the people what, what you said? Well, I said. Uh... 
Well, sometimes it takes him a little while to warm up. Uh, I mean, he did come back from that concussion and got up to kind of a slow start in his last game back. Sometimes it does take him, you know, about a quarter to kind of really ratchet up uh, and become kind of the fine-tuned machine that we, we saw tonight. But I will say start to finish, this was perhaps his most impressive game of the season. I mean, he did force that one throw into coverage over the middle that got intercepted. Um, he got sacked for strips, uh, strip uh, strip sack that, that uh, cost him big. And, and besides those two plays, he was pretty close to perfect tonight. Uh, and, man, with all the slew of NFL scouts here tonight, I can't imagine they didn't come away saying that we want this guy on our team. The Jets had like their whole front office here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they had their GM, their VP of player personnel. They had a scout. They had, they had like their whole front office come out to LA. I don't know. They they should they they've been here a lot. They should probably just have like an LA office out here for for Darnold and Rose. Are they going to be high enough to pick him though? That's the question. No, they're not. That's the thing. Yeah, it's it's weird. The they might trade up. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so before the game, I had thought that. USC was just going to run all over UCLA. Yeah. That was going to be the strategy. Uh, they didn't. I mean, not a hor. You look at the stats; it's not a horrible game. Uh, Ronald Jones rushed 28 times for 122 yards. 122 yards is good, but 4.4 yards a carry is about two yards below his average. Uh, USC overall rushed for 153 yards, which is the worst performance all year against UCLA. So, was UCLA's defense playing particularly well tonight? Or was USC just not exploiting it? A little bit of both. I definitely have, have seen some continued growth with this young uh, defensive line uh, for UCLA. Their linebackers are still kind of a mess right now. They've just lost so many guys. They lost Chris Barnes again tonight. Uh, Kenny Young's really been kind of the only guy that's been there almost all year, and even he's missed a couple of games. So um, I, I will say, though, I mean, USC, I understand wanting to mix in the past. I thought they did it a little bit too much or maybe way too much. Uh, I mean, did they not watch the tape of the Arizona State game when Arizona State, before they fell behind, they had a 10-play drive and all 10 plays were runs. They just got everything they wanted um, and ended up losing that game So uh, because they didn't stay with the run. And, and I thought that USC um, really, really did not run enough tonight. This has been the weird thing. I mean, you've, you've you know, haven't been at a USC game in person yet this year because you've been with UCLA, but it's been the weird thing with USC's offense this year is that it's kind of been reactive. You know, yeah. you think they're USC and they could just do whatever they want and impose their style on another team. And it seemed like early on they were sticking with the run. I think Darnold had like four pass attempts in the first quarter, I think it was. He, he, I don't know if it was four. It, it, was, it was very few. Yeah. Um, and then after that, the run wasn't working great. So instead of sticking with it and saying – UCLA's run defense is horrible. We're just going to run all over these guys. Um, they were a little reactionary, and yeah. they ended up passing 28 times, which is a yeah. lot more than I thought they yeah. were. No, so. I, I thought so, too. I mean, I think the over, a fair over-under would have been like 10 to 15 passes for, for, for USC. And, you know, I mean, obviously they want to they mix it up. They want to keep UCLA guessing. But, man, I mean, you've got, you got Ronald Jones. You, you ride him, and, and I don't think they did it enough tonight. So I think we could officially uh, categorize Jordan Lasley as a Trojan killer. Uh, last game against UCLA, USC last year, he had, I think, only two catches for about 63 yards or so, but both were touchdowns against Adoree Jackson. He had a trick play. He had a trick play in that game, too. I don't know if you oh, remember that. Yeah, 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 I forgot about that. Uh, this game, a little bit better. <laughs> Ten receptions, 204 yards, which is a career high. Three touchdowns, which is a career high. He's had two multi-touchdown games uh, they were both against USC last year and this year. 
what was going on? Like, what got into Jordan Lasley tonight? He, he, I mean, I think he had almost half of Rosen's yards. No, he's, you know, the reason you don't know more about him is because he's missed four games because of suspensions this year uh, that have been kind of under the radar, double secret suspensions that Jim Moore won't talk about. And uh, but if you look at his average, he, I think he's got he's got as many hundred yard receiving games as anybody in the Pac-12, even with missing four games, which is incredible. So, you know, I, I kind of was wondering, is Jordan Lasley really an NFL caliber guy? I think tonight answered all doubts. We're going to see this guy in the NFL. He's going to be amazing. Can he just, you know, do the smart thing and, and stay eligible? I mean, shoot, he could come out after this year. I mean, I think he's got that kind of potential. All right, so this is a USC podcast. So you were down in the UCLA locker room. These people want to hear some pain. They want to see some sadness out of UCLA. Set the scene for us. What, what was what was Josh Rosen like? What was Jim Moore like? What, I wasn't down there, so so what was the scene like? Well, not quite the locker room, but the uh, the, the visiting media tent, right. <laughs> uh, which is as close as we get in this in this era of uh, not great access. But um, you know, pretty predictable. I think Jim Moore was somewhat emboldened by the fact that his team really gave kind of its best shot tonight. Um, he seemed obviously disappointed, but not really despondent. Um, but, you know, I could kind of see it with Rosen. He was kind of wearing the fact that UCLA just cannot get out of its own way. It's been a season-long thing with the penalties, the drop passes, uh, special teams plays that gone awry. We, we can talk about that with the punt because I got some, some uh, answers about what went wrong on that punt play. Uh, Excuse me, Stefan Flintoff, the UCLA punter, says that the direction of the punt is predetermined before the play. However, when the ball leaves his foot, he's supposed to call out where it's going in case of a mishit. So that seems like a really bad strategy, right? Like when I mean, you're in an opposing stadium, that, wouldn't it be yeah, hard to he hear? Why, how do you hear that? That was where it went awry because the noise level was so high. Nobody heard him, basically, and it was him and one other guy, Josh Warboko Ali, were over on the right side. Everybody else went left, and if you watch the replay, uh, Flintoff gets maybe 10 yards downfield, and his arms go up because he knows that they're they're screwed oh, on that play. Out and no, one well, no, one, no one heard him, and there was no support there for, for, for them stopping USC, and at that point, it was they were done. This was the best special teams play USC has had all year by far. Because USC, as bad as UCLA special teams have been, USC's have been really bad too. They had one special teams touchdown on, on a pump block a couple weeks ago. Um, other than that, they had nothing. Especially the punt return, especially, has been horrible. So the the thing that I, I wasn't able to get an answer tonight yet was for how USC knew it was going to the right side, if you know, UCLA's right side, because they had a Jana Harris kind of in the middle and kind of shading towards the other side. And they had what they did is they had Michael Pittman drop back right before the, the, the snap, uh, drop back to that side. And he was in perfect position. And I, I maybe it was a tendency that they saw, I don't know what it was, but they they seemed to know it was going to that side. Well, it was really odd because if you looked at uh, Flintoff, he aimed it right, he looked right. I mean, the whole thing was right. So I don't know, like, why it wasn't like I, don't, I feel like he didn't mishit it. I don't know what the kind of communication was because he talked about it being predetermined, but his whole body language screamed right to me, and yet everybody went left. So it didn't. It was just really a head scratcher, and he noticed that he he noted that 
you know, if it was, if he had hit it an inch more to the right, it would have been out of bounds and the whole thing would have been moot. So just literally everything that could have gone wrong on that play did for UCLA. And that kind of won the game for USC. I mean, their yeah. offense wasn't amazing. Right. And they won by five points, and that was kind of the difference. Yeah, I mean, you, you talked to uh, Plaschke mentioned the two UCLA defenders uh, running into each other on a big play. That's the second time that's happened to, U- to UCLA in, in three weeks. There was another play against Utah where a guy came out of the backfield for Utah two defenders ran into each other and he went out for a wheel route and got a touchdown. I mean, they just stumble over each other literally uh, and figuratively. And it's, you know, I know it's, it's, it's hard to watch. I can only imagine what it's like to be on the sideline and on the field and experience it. So your first game watching USC in person this year, I know you've seen it on TV a lot, yeah. uh, but your first game seeing them in person, what is the overall impression that you come away with? Um, not impressed, I would say. I mean, like, I, I feel like they kind of just showed up today and thought that they were going to just walk all over UCLA. They knew the reputation. They knew UCLA, you know, besides Josh Rosen, does, doesn't have a lot, which is just the, the bare facts, no pun intended. Um, but uh, I think that was the name of your podcast last year, was The Bare Facts. Very short lived podcast <laughs> that was excellent, uh, that uh, unfortunately we're not able to reprise this season. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those like we're gonna show up and win games, and uh, man, they almost—it almost really cost them. All right, well, this has been Ben Bolt. You heard Bill Plaschke earlier. Thanks to, to both of you guys. Uh, we will be back. Well, I will be back momentarily, taking some of your calls. We'll hear uh, some interviews with Clay Helton and Sam Darnold. So stick around. Here's the part of the program where I give you a preview of the coverage you can find in the LA Times. Bill Plaschke writes that Josh Rosen was better, but Sam Darnold was the winner on Saturday. And I write about how USC almost lost control of the game after a weird long pass and catch, but they held on near the goal line when it mattered most. Make sure you find us online at latimes.com or pick up a paper. We are back with the USC Overtime Podcast. Let's go to the phones. First up is Michael from Phoenix. Here's Michael. Uh, the one point that I would like you to, to address is whether or not this team just, just lacks a killer instinct. Uh, I love Coach Helton. I love the uh, the fact that he has brought some stability to the program, to the football program after all the fiasco with uh, Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin and and everybody else, but uh, just want to get your two, your, your two cents on the issue. I think he's a great guy. Um, it, it just doesn't look like SC is prepared to step on the throat of a team when they have them down. I think that tonight a better team probably would have taken out SC. Um, I think SC was looking for ways to, to lose that game. I think Bill would have a slightly different take than I would. It sounded like he did when we had him earlier on the podcast. I don't know if it's killer instinct or what. You know, the the weird thing about this team is they are really good in the fourth quarter, especially the offense. The offense coming into the game was the best fourth quarter scoring-wise team in the country. Third quarter, 
was very bad. They were in the 70s, I think, uh, nationally in third quarter points. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're getting out-adjusted in halftime, and then, but then they're, they're good in the fourth quarter. A lot of this season doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, but I, I don't think it's really that they, they lack a killer instinct. I, I know Bill thought they looked a little disinterested, and I think they were today. I don't know if that's a general trend or not. I don't think that's an that's a overall trend. I think that was kind of a one-off tonight. But it just seems that they do not get in a rhythm, especially offensively. Uh, but it's also a defensive issue, too. Uh, for most of the year, defensively, right after halftime, they let teams that shouldn't hang around with them hang around. So call it what you want. I don't know if you want to call it killer instinct or whatever, but it's clearly just not all clicking tonight. I know they're 10-2, and two, which is so weird, uh, because they do keep winning. So I don't think we could say that they don't have a killer instinct because they find ways to win these games. All right, next up, we've got Thomas from Aspen, Colorado, a little place where the beer flows like wine, as, uh, as Dumb and Dumber once said. So here's Thomas. You know, I sit back and I look at the reality that Clay has won 19 of his last 21 games, is undefeated in two years at the Coliseum. But why do I feel like we're not going to win a national championship as long as he's our head coach? Where am I wrong? What am I missing? I know the Trojans are 10-2 and two and they have a great chance of being 12-2, and two, but I also can't help but watch this team and wonder why they continue to look awesome at points and look miserable at other points. Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Fight on. Yeah, it's a good call and a good question. This is... This is really a tough job to be USC's head coach. There are very high expectations, and there are very high standards here. And Clay Helton just won 10 games in the regular season. They're going to the Pac-12 championship game. They could get to a New Year's Six Bowl, and people are disappointed because they're not playing all that well and you know that's valid this, this is USC and that's what people expect I think USC isn't going to win an Astro championship game in the next few years because Nick Saban's still around and Nick Saban's going to win at least every other national championship and it makes uh, not a lot to go around uh, for, for everyone else but I, I think I said this on the podcast last week with with Dylan Hernandez Clay Helton right now there I think for, for me I see two main aspects of head coaching in college one is the personality, and it, with the personality goes recruiting. It goes keeping the team from not panicking when things go wrong, it keeps, keeping people in line and motivated. I think he does that part very well. The second part, equally as important, maybe more important, is the X's and O's. Are you a good football coach? Are you good at coaching guys up and making them improve? Last year, you look at them and say, all right, they made big improvements. Uh, this year, the improvements aren't there. So I think he's, he needs to do some improving himself, X's and O-wise. But the thing with, with Clay Helton is this is his first go-around. I, I think when you look at him, he's probably not a finished product as a coach yet. So if you're a USC fan, the thing that should give you hope is hopefully – He'll improve. He'll get better. He's a guy that's not set in his ways. Uh, he, he's open to, to things that will get him better. Uh, so, you know, who knows if, if they're national championship contenders with him or not. I think this year they're not because they just don't have the horses, especially on offense. They just don't have the offensive line right now. Uh, the receivers, uh, certainly at the beginning of the year, we're not quite there yet. They have the quarterback and the running back, and the defense is at times good enough and at times not. But this year, it's the the, the judgment is, for in, in my eyes, that they just don't have the horses. Now, are they playing 
are they maximizing the guys that they have right now? I don't think they are, but they're still winning games. All right, so now I want to let you hear from Clay Helton and Sam Darnold. Um, so lest you think that uh, we, and by we I mean me and Ben and, and Bill and uh, even the callers are being a little bit too negative after a, a win over a rival, um, let's hear from Clay Helton himself. Helton is in part of this interview, we'll play a little snippet of it, but in part of this, uh, one of the questions is uh, he was asked about, was, was this USC's best game? Were they playing the best that they could? So take a listen. Teams. Were you surprised with how you guys played this entire year? Were you surprised at UCLA uh, with the struggles that they've had and was able to stay in the game for so long? No, they're a good football team, and, and we really thought their offensive skill was phenomenal. I mean, you're talking about a bunch of great athletes out there. I mean, Theo Howard, Lasley, uh, Josh Rosen. I mean, those are all great recruits that came to UCLA and are doing great things there. Um, and, you know, we're fortunate that uh, we we went into the game saying we were going to have to play our best to win. It was going to be an emotional game. It was a game that we saw that with Josh back at versus Arizona State, we thought their offense was hitting on all cylinders and our, I thought our defense really did a great job of bending but not breaking um, and really creating some huge turnovers in the game that really created separation for us. Clay, you talked about you have to play your best to win. Is that your best or how do you evaluate that game you look back at? It? No, we'll watch the tape, man. There's always things that we can fix and and um, and get better at uh, going into a Pac-12 championship. I don't think any game is perfect, um, but I thought our kids did what was needed to be done to win to win a hard-fought ball game, uh, and uh, very rewarding for our, for our team. There's a lot of happy players in there right now. And last up tonight, we've got Sam Darnold. Uh, the after the game, the student section. Sam Darnold went over. He led the band, uh, climbed up the ladder. Uh, and the student section started chanting one more year uh, at Sam. Uh, I guess he, he, do, he does have two more years, but <laughs> I guess the students are trying to be realistic. Uh, here's how he responded to that chant. Sam, what was it like uh, leading the band afterwards, and what did you think when the students were yelling one more year? <laughs> yeah, I thought, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not going to say anything about that last part, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it's just so cool whenever I get the opportunity to lead the band, whenever, um, I know it is for, for everyone on the team, whenever they get that opportunity, it's, you know, you don't get that opportunity everywhere you play. Um, not every college has that kind of tradition and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's really cool to be able to do that um, after a good win. And that'll do it for the USC Overtime podcast this week. The call you heard at the beginning of the show is Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, and Maria Taylor for ESPN. If you like what you heard, give us a review on iTunes. And remember to call in to the hotline every week at 213-357-0984. We're off next week for the bye week, but we'll see you in two weeks from Santa Clara for the Pac-12 championship game. Thanks for listening.